Uh, I'm going to be continuing my, uh, my teaching on the heart, on the heart, because that's where it begins. Let's turn our Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 18. If you haven't um, been here or this is your first time, I, I believe this is the third Sunday we're going to be talking about the heart. And um, the CDs are available. Uh, please make sure you purchase them because I'm not really going to go over old ground. I must mention as well that apart from Sundays, we do have a Thursday service. Uh, the Thursday meetings are growing. We meet upstairs. We're going to fill that room very quickly, and then we're going to move across to the next room, and we're going to come downstairs. I've been teaching on the subject on the life of faith, the life of faith. The just shall live by faith. The lost, the diapores, see, The just shall live by faith. You know, one thing Jesus said was that uh, if you say to this mountain, do you know the last time you spoke to a circumstance was the last time you released your faith? The last time you spoke. To a situation was the last time you released your faith. Jesus never said, pray to God about the mountain. He said, speak to the mountain. So if you haven't spoken to things and you haven't spoken to situations, you have never released your faith. But I prayed about it. You haven't released it yet. Chandai. The life of faith. Um, you need to be here on Thursday at 7 p.m. Mark 7, I'll start from reading from verse 17. It said, when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because he does not enter his heart but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, everyone say within. It says from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Wow. Now, we see here that Jesus is saying that your food doesn't defile you because your food doesn't go into your heart, it goes into your stomach. So what defiles you is actually what goes into your heart. Did you get that there? Yeah? When he says what goes into a man does not defile him because it goes into his stomach, he's not saying what goes into a man does not defile him. He's saying what goes into your stomach does not defile you. But what goes into your heart is what defiles you. And what goes into that heart is going to come out of that life. What goes into your heart is what limits your life or expands your life. 
The Bible says we shall guard our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts come the forces of life. So if something goes into your heart and it's established in your heart, it is what is going to come out of your heart and your life. It doesn't matter how good you intend to be, how many good intentions you have, how many times you come to church. If the wrong thing enters your heart, it will defile your life. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, he said, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Because once it's in your heart, it does not matter how many times you say to yourself, I'm a good Christian, it's going to come out. Are you with me? Because your heart is the umpire of your life. It is the referee. It is what determines what comes in and what goes out. You know, when God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. Because, you know, the current king, Saul, was head and shoulders above everyone else. He looked the part, but he failed. But when God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, and um, Jesse brought all his sons before Samuel, as soon as he saw Eliab, who was the first son of Jesse, the prophet Samuel said, surely, I mean, this is the Lord's anointed. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7 of verse 16, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outside appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, why does the Lord look at the heart? It's because what is in the heart is what is going to manifest in the life. It all comes down to my heart. What is in your heart? What kind of heart do you have? The Lord said in Jeremiah 31, 33, he said, A new covenant I will establish after those days. I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Why? Because it is from the heart that creation occurs. You know, God is a creative being, and he has created you and I to be creative beings. If we do not create the plan of God or the will of God in our hearts, we will never have it. Because it is out of the abundance of our hearts that our mouths speak and it is from the abundance of our hearts that we establish things in our lives. So to move forward in God, to progress in life, it is important that the progress must occur in your heart first. If you desire healing, it is important to understand that you've got to be healed in your heart first. You've got to see yourself healed within your heart first before it will manifest in your life. 
any progress you have or you desire must occur in your heart first before it happens in your life. It all begins in the heart. In 3 John 2, the apostle said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You cannot prosper until prosperity comes into your soul first. I'm using a few terms. Let me try very briefly to clarify the constitution of the human being. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible speaks about the fact that we're tripartite. We have three parts to us. We are spirit, soul, and what? And body. It says the very God of peace sanctify you completely. I pray God your whole spirit and your whole soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now your spirit is created in the image and likeness of God. God is spirit. You and I are spirit. Spirit is a materiality. Uh, it's a different substance. It's a higher materiality. Um, your spiritual being, your spiritual man can perceive things in the spirit, can operate spiritually because you're a spirit being. Now, your body is your physical house. It's where you dwell. When you and I die, we don't actually die. We just leave our bodies. Isn't that correct? Yeah. You step out of your body. Your body falls to the ground. But you remain. You, you, you still remain because you are a spiritual being. And your spirit will go to God or, um, you know, or hell. Um, because you're a spiritual being. Now, your soul, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Yeah? And your soul is actually part of your spiritual makeup. What do I mean by that? You know, your mind is, uh, your mind is actually made up of your intellect, your memory, and your imagination. Yeah? So, your soul realm is your mind, which is your intellect, the way you think, uh, your your memory, your imagination, all those thoughts are in your mind. Um, but even though uh, it, it is part of your spiritual component, because when you die, you don't leave your mind behind. Uh, and we know that in the Bible because uh, when Jesus talked about the life of Lazarus, he talked about the rich man and Lazarus. When Lazarus died and the rich man died, um, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. The rich man was in, uh, was in hell. But the rich man remembered Lazarus, didn't he? Yeah, because he, still, he could still use his mind. So your mind, your intellect, your memory, and your imagination um, are actually part of the spiritual component of man. You might say then, why do I have a brain? Your brain is the physical housing. Everyone say physical housing. Or say it again, physical housing. It is, your, is the physical housing of your mind. It is how your mind interfaces with your body. But when you die, um, your mind lives with you. Are you with me? Oh, come on. Let's be awake this morning. Uh, are you listening to me? So it is part of your spiritual makeup. Now, the interesting thing about the mind is the mind receives input from the body and from the spirit. Yeah? The way your mind will interpret a situation is based on how you have trained yourself to interpret situations. For instance... If um, you have trained your mind to um, use physical things purely as its basis for analysis, then everything that your mind is filled with 
will be things that are based on what you see, what you feel, what you hear. So you only study the word when you feel like doing it. Are you with me? I mean, some of us when we're in university, we only went to, to lectures when we felt like. Because our bodies were what determined um, how, we, how we trained, we used our feelings to train our minds. Are you with me? Yeah? And we shut ourselves up to the spiritual aspect of our lives. So our mind uh, was pure, is purely used as a portal uh, and we feed it with information primarily from the physical. But the mind can be used to, um, uh, can, be, can be educated from the spiritual part of you. And that's what the mind was actually created for. You are meant to rule and reign in the earth through your mind, but from the power and the life source that resides in your spiritual man. Are you with me so far? So, for instance, if you train yourself in the word, um, you would analyze situations differently. Your mind will analyze situations differently. Your memory, your imagination will analyze situations differently. In fact, you will use the word to form your imagination. You might see a circumstance that everyone runs from, and your mind will analyze it and say, no, we don't run from this, we run toward this, because you have higher understanding. Are you with me? You have higher understanding. So your mind is working just as well, but it's receiving its input from the spiritual side of man. And that is how God has created us to function. The only way you and I are going to exercise dominion in the earth is when we rule and reign using spiritual power. You know, the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So your mind can be carnal, as in it can, be, it can tend toward the physical, where all it ever receives and all it ever uses to interpret situations is what is going on around it, and that is death. But your mind can be spiritual. You can be spiritually minded. Where your mind receives input and it analyzes things in the physical from a spiritual perspective. And therefore you are able to rule and reign in the earth through your mind using spiritual power. So the soul of man, the soul of man is part of the spiritual component of man. And it receives its input either from your spiritual revelation or from the physical. Now, one good way of illustrating this, because it's important to, that you understand this. You know, in my house, I have, um, I have some security lights that are attached to the building. And at night, I switch on those security lights and the front part of my house is lit up, okay? Now, the power doesn't come from my front lawn. It's not really a lawn. It's just a, you know, concrete place where I park the car. Um, but the, the light comes from the house. Are you with me? Yeah? But when I switch the light on, the light lights up the front of the house. 
Yeah, everyone understand this illustration so far. Now, the light doesn't come from the front of the house. It comes from the house itself, okay? And, and when I think about, um, about the heart of man, because the heart of man, Kadia, speaks about your spiritual mindedness. It speaks about the core of your being. Light, illumination, is meant to come from the inner man. And that illumination lights up your mind. It lights up the way you think. It lights up the things you do. But the power of your life is meant to come from the inner man. And it is what is in that inner man that is going to determine what happens in your mind, how your mind responds to situations, how your mind lives and walks in the earth. And that's why Jesus or the Lord always works from the inside out. Because when your heart is filled with the word of God, when you are changed on the inside, that change on the inside will reflect on your outer life. You know, Jesus in this passage says, whatever enters your heart is what defiles your life. Whatever enters your heart is what defiles your life. You know, when you incubate something long enough, it will become established in your heart and your heart will create it. You know, I said God is a, created, is a creator and he's a creative being and he has created us in his image and in his likeness to be creative beings. And the way we create is from our hearts. Whatever you incubate long enough, you will create. Say to your neighbor, whatever you incubate long enough, you will create. Say to the other person, whatever you incubate long enough, you will create. Now, guess what the devil wants to help you incubate? The devil knows that you're a creative being. He can't create, only you can. So what the devil will do is he will encourage you to incubate worry, anxiety, fear, and limitation. In fact, he will orchestrate circumstances around you that will help you um, believe or justify you incubating worry, fear, and limitation. And when he orchestrates these circumstances and you receive them, and you begin to incubate them. I know the way you incubate is by murmuring and meditation, isn't it? So every time you say something, and you receive something and you say it, your imagination gets involved, your memory gets involved, your intellect gets involved. So this person, you know, is better looking than I am. So naturally... Um, he will get a better job. Um, this person um, has the contacts, so they are going to go further than I can ever hope to go. I know I'm a Christian. I know I believe in the Lord, and I know, I, I know the Bible says I'm a special person, but uh, let us be reasonable. Yeah, because clearly, just look at him on the outside. He's better put together um, than I am, so it is natural that he will go farther. 
all right? So your, your memory will get involved. You will think about others like that person that have made it, others like you and in your family that haven't quite made it. Your imagination will now engage and now build a picture. So you extrapolate going forward and you think, okay, I better cut my coat according to my size, cut my dreams according to what is reasonable, and therefore, you know, maybe, okay, I, maybe, well, maybe I can go this far. So your imagination paints that picture, and that's what you incubate. Yeah, that's what you incubate. You come to Nigeria for six months, it goes from bad to worse, and you, you hear about all the other people that came and left because it was too hard, and not the thousands that stayed and are thankful they stayed. That's what you incubate. Are you with me? Whatever you incubate, the devil will arrange things in the physical so that you can incubate limitation, you can incubate fear, you can incubate worry. And when that becomes established in your heart, that is what you are going to create. Everyone say, I'm responsible for my creation. It might sound like new age, but it's true. I'm responsible for what I create. I can change what I create. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Whatever enters the heart of a man is what defiles the man. Is what defiles the man. And that is why meditation is so important. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is quick and it's powerful. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to pierce even to the division of the soul and spirit of the joint and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Amplified passage says, the word exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The word, when you meditate in the word, the word will expose your heart to you. Because a lot of us don't know what's actually in our hearts. You know, I was saying to them on Thursday, or was it last Sunday, that you can deceive your mind, but you can't deceive yourself. Because we like to think uh, that um, we are a certain way, but, but really it is not what is in your conscious mind that determines your life. It is what is in your heart. But when you choose to spend time in the Word of God, the Word of God will expose your heart to you. It will show you what's really on the inside. You know, I told you a few years ago um, about how I was, um, I decided to take some time out over, over the Christmas, well, not Christmas, New Year's season to go and pray and wait on God for the new year. I, I did that a few years, I, I said I did that a few years back. And, and I checked myself into a, uh, a small motel somewhere uh, for a few days. And I just, you know, fasted and just stayed in the Word and I was praying about certain things, you know, just praying about certain things, things I was seeing in the future, and, and I just wanted to pray them out. Uh, you know, that makes sense, doesn't it? And I was praying one night, and, and you know, spending some time in the Spirit, just praying about these projects, and on the inside of me, a picture came up in my heart of my brother-in-law who had offended me. And the Lord said, you need to forgive this guy. And I thought, we are talking about important matters, Jesus. Look, look we're talking, I mean, <laughs> in my mind, this was like a no, it was like a non-issue. So I, I, was, I was like, you know, serious matters. 
I was praying in the spirit about certain projects, you know, and, Lord, and it came up again in my heart. In fact, it became so strong in my heart that, that the Lord said, call him right now. I was like, Lord, I was like, okay, after this prayer season, I'll give him a call, Lord, I promise. He said, no, call him right now. Call him right now. You see, the word, when you meditate in the word without agenda, when you meditate in the word, the, the, the word will expose your heart to you. Because the, the things that are limiting your life are not coming from the outside. They are in your heart. You know the verse we looked at last week in 2 Corinthians 6.12, the message Bible translation, that says that the smallness you feel is coming from within you. Your life is not small, but you are living your life in a small way. There are limitations of your life that are, that are, are happening in your heart. It is your heart that is limiting you, not the Lord. And suddenly, my time of fellowship with the Lord turned into darkness. Because you know, every time you disobey the Lord, there is no light until you go back to the point of last obedience. You know, I had to call him. That on my knees, I had to make the call. Because I'll not let somebody else limit my life. Ganda. And you know, it was one of those wonderful things. It was not my fault. It was his fault. But I called him and said, you know, this thing that happened, I apologize. And he didn't seem to appreciate. He, he, he didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know how you apologize and then somebody meets you halfway and said, oh, forgive me. I was actually, no, no, none of that happened. He said, yeah, okay. All right. So I died a death that day on my knee. But you'll die often. Yeah, you'll die often because what is most important is for your heart to be right. Because your heart is, is where it all happens. Your heart is where it all happens. So the Lord focuses on the heart. He focuses on the heart. And that's why the parable of the sower is so important. We have learned that it's not the parable of the sower, it's the parable of different kinds of heart. Because the word will only produce in a particular type of heart. And you and I are responsible for what is going on in our hearts. We are responsible. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And you know, we're, we're taking time at this because you need to understand how God's kingdom works. We need to understand how God's kingdom works. You know, if you are uh, a CEO of a multinational, and let's say it's a, it's a family business, and one of your key priorities as you grow and you establish your business, uh, since it's a family business, is for your family to be able to manage your wealth, proper succession planning. I know you raise your kids and they begin to, you begin to develop them in your business, exposing different aspects of the business to them. I can imagine as your kids are growing and taking responsibility, that initially, uh, it's okay for them to call you up and say, Dad or Mom, what should we do about this? Yeah? And you give them direction. But after they've been in the business for many years, 
You don't expect them to be calling you up all the time. You understand? You give them responsibility. They have wisdom. And they now start managing different aspects of the business. Once in a while, they come up when it comes to strategy, sit down with you, you know, get your thoughts about issues. <laughs> are, are you with me? And then you, you, you give them insight and they go carry things out. Doesn't, isn't, that, isn't that good succession planning? Now, with the father, he's raising up sons that are going to rule and reign with him forever. And when I say sons, it's not, gen, it's not a, gen, it's, it's, we're talking about stage of development. People like Christ. Are, are you with me? Not man or woman. Yeah? So, the way God has ordained for things to work is not, your prayer time is not meant to be a time where you're just asking God for things. That used to happen when we were just getting started. Yeah? Your prayer time is going to evolve into a time of fellowship with the Lord, but then into a time of establishing in the spirit God's plan for the earth. Are you with me? Yeah? Um, so it is important to understand that um, the way the kingdom, we need to understand the way the kingdom works. The kingdom of God does not work with God going to do stuff for you. We need to get rid of that thought. It is a religious thought. I remember when I was growing up in the Lord, somebody once said, you know, uh, it, is, it is unspiritual to ask God for money. That God is not really interested in your financial life. He's just interested in your spiritual life. I thought there's got to be something wrong about that thinking. It is important to understand. Is that a, all right. Make sure that it's not a real uh, fire happening. Hallelujah. It is important for us to understand the way the kingdom works. The way the kingdom works begins and ends with the heart. The word of God is made available to you. You plant it in your heart. And your heart is what produces the fruit. So the fruit of healing is produced where? The fruit of prosperity is produced where? The fruit of wisdom is produced where? The fruit of direction is produced where? It begins with you taking the word on the matter and incubating it. Planting it deep within your heart until it becomes established as an image on the inside. That is where it begins and ends. It is you uprooting anything that stops the incubation of that word in your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you haven't found it yet, you probably wouldn't. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So clearly we are at war. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is what? Complete. Now, it's talking about spiritual warfare here. But when we look at this, it says the spiritual warfare we're engaging, it's spiritual warfare, but look at where it is targeted. It says it pulls, the, the focus of our weapons is to pull down strongholds. 
Now, a lot of people think these strongholds are somewhere out there, but the strongholds begin in your heart. It says they are mighty for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations or arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we've got thoughts, we've got imaginations, and we've got strongholds. Everyone say thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortified position. It is an established position, a well-defended position about a particular issue. Now, there are thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds in your heart that are holding you captive. And the primary um, use of our weapons is to destroy these strongholds, is to bring into captivity those thoughts, is to ensure that the imaginations conform with the knowledge of God. Because whatever is happening as an imagination and as a thought and as a stronghold in your heart is what is determining your future. Whatever is, it's, you are holding on as a thought. You might just say, well, I mean, what is it? It's just a thought. I mean, a thought is not harmful. It is very harmful. Why is it harmful? You are a creative being. And God, is a, God has organized, created you this way. And your thoughts are the tool of creation. Your imagination is a tool of creation. Whatever is established in your heart is what is going to be created in your life. So the very first place you need to use the weapons of your warfare is to ensure that the strongholds in your heart that are not strongholds of God are destroyed by those weapons. You hold every thought captive because every time you, you, you take a thought by saying it, you are establishing it in your heart as a picture. Strongholds, they are fortresses of evil thoughts that are deep within your subconscious mind. So we must take charge of our hearts. You know, I'm always reading several books at the same time. I'm, I usually have about three different books. Like right now, I'm reading um, Startup Nation. I've almost finished it, by the way, very much. He gave it to me a few days ago. Fantastic book. And then I'm reading the, uh, there's one about the, the T-shirt that went on a global journey. Yeah? That's also a great book. Um, now, why don't I talk about what I'm reading? You see, the first place, I'll remember that in a minute, but the first place that we must deal with is our hearts. You know, there's some people whose hearts say to them, people say that I will never trust a man again. I'll never trust a man again. That is an established fortress in the heart. Before you'll ever get married, there's some people who are married who in their hearts their hearts is saying to them, I'll never trust the man again. So they might be married, 
And everything may look good on the outside, but they hide stuff from their husbands. They believe that, you know, this guy can leave any time. So I better sort myself out. Okay? So they are doing what seems right on the outside. But because of things you have seen when you were growing up, it has, oh yes, I remember now. It has, it has established a stronghold in your heart. You know, Israel, they became a nation in 1948. But, uh, before 1948, they didn't exist. So they had to come in and dislodge the people that were already there. And then they had to establish a nation in the midst of that situation. And they are surrounded by uh, enemies all around them. So they had to get in, dislodge people there, take possession, and defend the space. That's a great picture. Because when you got born again, your heart had things in it that were established. They had been established from things you saw when you were growing up. Things people taught you that you received out of ignorance. And they established themselves in as a fortress. So now Jesus has come into your spirit. But Jesus is imprisoned in your spirit because your heart is fortified. The nature of God is in your spiritual man. But it can't come out because your subconscious mind is holding your spiritual man captive. So you now have to dislodge those strongholds. You have to get in there, dislodge the strongholds, lay hold of, lay hold of every thought captive, every imagination, make sure it's lined with the, in, the, in line with the knowledge of God. And that is the only way that the spiritual power of God on the inside will come out of your life. You can be born again and producing failure and death. And there are people you hang out with that are Christians, they have Christ on the inside of them, but they swear worse than the devil. I mean, is effing this and essing that. Do you understand? And before they know what's happening, even though they love the Lord, if only know what's happening, it's leaking out. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There are some Christians I'll never send you to for advice about marriage. Don't die. Because they are, the pain of the past has colored their lives. So when they, they might speak and lay, you know, lay hands on the sick and they raise the dead. But when you listen to what they are saying, you know that it's coming from a bitter heart. So we, mu we must take charge of our hearts. I will never give my heart to a woman again. There are men that have established that in their heart. But when we begin to meditate on the word, the word will expose to your heart what your heart is actually thinking. There are some people who don't believe they will make it in life. That is a thought well established because my father was a carpenter. There's nothing wrong with carpentry. And there's a guy I, I really want to bring to high life. I mean, who has built tables for President Obama. He trained his, his son. His son makes hand, handmade violins. He is, he's a master carpenter. But if your view of carpentry is the carpentry that your father did and ended up in penury and his father did and ended up in penury, you are thinking of yourself, well, I cannot go far because my father, this is my heritage. 
And even though you are waving your hand and saying, praise you, Jesus, on the inside, when you are alone, your heart, the picture you see of your life is a picture that has been established based on what you have seen in the past. But as you begin to meditate on the word of God, as you begin to accept what God says about you and speak it, it is going to take some time. It will first expose to you the limitations that you have imposed on your heart. And then you begin to dislodge them. It will take some time. Because a stronghold is a stronghold. It takes time to dislodge a stronghold. And my key thing is, we need to get serious about this thing. It is not going to happen just because you say, Kumbaya, you know, Jesus, and you spend a few minutes in church every Sunday. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. You are going to have to take some time out every, every day to, to speak to yourself what the word of God says about you. This is the only way it works because we have work to do. If you go and study the, the life of Israel, Israel is one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world. In the world. But it began because they took their situation seriously. They understood the situation they were in. They understood the fact that, you know what, we might, be, we might be alive today, but we may not be alive tomorrow if we don't take this thing seriously. We cannot think like the world and expect God to put us in a place of leadership. Because guess what? If you, as somebody with a carnal mind, God gives you favor and puts you in leadership, you will just become exactly like everyone else. First Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good what? Warfare. So whether you realize it or not, you're at war. Now, in order to win, because a good warfare is a war that you want, that you win. In order to win, you've got to take the prophecies and go to war with them. Not fight against the prophecies, but use the prophecies to attack your enemy. What is a prophecy? A prophecy is a revelation of the divine will and purpose of God. So when you receive God's will about a situation, you take God's will, because God's will has authority in your life, it's true, isn't it? And then use that will to fight against the opposition of the devil, because you will have opposition. Let me give you an example. The Bible says, my God shall supply your needs according to his riches in glory. That is a, a revelation of the divine will of God. My, the Bible says that um, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and, and true holiness. It says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That is a revelation of the divine will of God. Now, opposition is going to come against that will. But you have got to take your stand and fight against that opposition with the will of God. Use the word to uproot the stronghold in your mind. You know, you face circumstances that inform you that your needs are not met and they will never be met. Now, what happens in that situation is going to be determined by who? By who? It's going to, it's going to be determined by you. Because your heart is going to tell you that, listen, it's not going to work this time. It's not going to work. It's end. This is the end of it. But then you have to decide that, okay, I'm going to take the prophecy. The word that God has revealed to me. And I'm going to use that prophecy to fight. Every Christian is a fighter. You've got to fight within. And then you've got to, before you fight outside. 
You've got to fight your, the, the thing that has been established in your heart. You've got to hold your thoughts captive. You've got to bring your imagination into subjection. You've got to take that word and go to war with it. If you don't fight using the word of God, you are not going to move further. Because fruit is going to be produced from your heart. Your business is going to face turmoil. And the Bible says that Christ has been made you wisdom, has been made to you wisdom from God. The Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraids not, and it will be given to him. You've got to take that revelation of God and say, Father, I thank you. I ask you for wisdom. I receive wisdom. And when your, your mind tells you that you are not going to have a way through, you have got to fight. Christians are fighters. Hallelujah. We fight against the thoughts of the devil. We fight against the strongholds in our hearts. And we establish a different fortress. A fortress of truth. Everyone say a fortress of truth. You must have a fortress of truth established in your heart. Otherwise you are going nowhere. Nowhere. If you don't have a fortress of truth in your heart. A stronghold of truth. You are not going anywhere. You can go to heaven. But on the earth, victory, you have to fight. You have to fight. The wisdom of the world is failing. But unless you establish a fortress of the truth of God's thoughts about every aspect of life, you are going to be like the world. And it takes time to establish a fortress. You've got to be serious. I'll tell you a joke. It's not a joke. It's actually quite serious. You know, I pray this prayer every day. Ephesians 1.17. Say, Father, I ask you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge. I said, Father, I ask you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge. So yesterday, I woke up. First thing I said was, Father, I pray because I know I need help. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help. I said, Father. I pray and I, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation because God is opening things up that I need wisdom and revelation. Don't know about you. Wisdom and revelation in your knowledge. Then the Lord spoke to me. He said, are you really seeking knowledge? It was like a slap to my face. Because he can only give you wisdom and revelation when you seek knowledge. Because wisdom is how to apply what you have learned. Understanding is insight into what you have learned. He said, are you really seeking knowledge? Are you really seeking it? Does your time show that you are seeking knowledge? Or you just think that he's going to give you wisdom about where there's no content? Chandai. Uh-huh. You're laughing at me now, I can tell. He said, are you really seeking knowledge? Are you really seeking knowledge? If we want to establish a fortress of truth of God in our hearts, we've got to seek knowledge. You know, Proverbs 2, just a minute. I need to end this, but look at Proverbs 2. I'm going to end it here. Look at Proverbs 2. 
You can't say you are seeking knowledge and all your time is spent seeking something else. Uh, I mean, are you with me? In Proverbs 2, he said, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart for understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as what? As silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the true knowledge of God. We've got to seek it like silver. What are you seeking? What, what, what does your time tell you you are seeking? Are you seeking knowledge as silver or are you seeking silver? Yeah? If we want to be elevated into a higher place and incubate God's thoughts, we must seek it. Hallelujah. We must seek it like silver. It must become our focus, our preoccupation. We must mount guard over our hearts and take control. We must spend time meditating in the word to establish a fortress of truth. In our hearts. That's the way it works. Hallelujah. And that's why Paul said to Timothy. He said. The prophecies you have received. Go to war with them. He said as for me. In 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have fought the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said Timothy fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. The fight of faith is a fight against the strongholds of darkness that are established in our hearts with the word of God. Where we dislodge them and establish a fortress of truth. But a fortress of truth cannot be established if you do not seek the knowledge of God. Seeking the knowledge of God is going to require time. It's going to require you meditating in the word. It's going to require you taking time out every day to murmur the thoughts of God. That is the only way. That you can dislodge the fortress of darkness. Because it is in your time of meditation that the spirit of God will open your eyes to the limitations that have been established in your heart. Once those limitations are removed, there will be a gusher from your spiritual man into your mind. The light of God will come and you will be truly elevated and function as a son of God. We sons of God have got to change our priorities. The world is holding us down. The devil has so planned things that you have no time to incubate the thoughts of God. We have to fight against that. Are you with me? Please don't, if you're going to listen to anything I say, like you normally do, make sure you get this. That is the first fight we have to wage. The devil doesn't want you to have time to incubate the word. Because right now your heart is established in evil in a lot of areas. Whether you like it or not, I know you look good and all that. So do I. But there are fortresses of darkness in our hearts. And the devil is quite happy for you to be so busy that you do not have time to incubate the word. Because whoever wins your heart wins your life. Whoever wins your heart wins your purpose. We must fight against that first. It's going to look like you are committing I was going to say political suicide. It's going to feel like you're committing suicide, but that is the path you are going to have to take. And that's the only path available because our destiny is to win. And that's the only way to win. 